Hey everyone, this is Peter Vantine at First Love Ministries. We're so glad you could tune into the First Love podcast with Mark Fee. Today we continue one of Mark's pre-recorded sermon series entitled, When Under Great Pressure. So let's get right to the message. Here's Mark. Father, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for just your amazing presence. We love you, God, and we pray now that you just continue to speak to our hearts, even as you have through so many different ways. God, we just pray now that you would use your word to do that. In Jesus' name, amen. So this is the second week now in a series that I've entitled, When Under Great Pressure. It comes from 2 Corinthians 1, 8 and 9, where Paul says to his friends there in Corinth that he didn't want them to not be informed that they were under great pressure, far beyond their ability to endure, so that they despaired even of life. In our hearts, we feel as though sentenced to death. And again, we looked last week at the kinds of difficulties that Paul was talking about. Very, very hard. And I'm sure there are many of you that are also in and going through tremendous circumstances. What I really appreciate again about this is just the fact that Paul is so wonderfully human. Here's Paul, who again, aprons, napkins were used for healing that he had touched. And here's the one that says, I was under great pressure far beyond my ability to endure so that I despaired even of life. That in my heart I felt as though sentenced to death. But then he said, but it's in times like these when we cannot rely on ourselves that we learn to rely on God. To rely on God who has the power to raise us from the dead. So last week, we covered two primary points, perspective and power. For those of you that are in real estate, what's the, I don't know what the right phrase is, the motto, the the key thing, but what's the the real estate person thing that they say three times? Location, location, location. Well, I think in the Christian faith, that same little slogan for us is perspective, perspective, perspective. We did a series once kind of going through a similar theme looking at the life of Jonah and looking at the life of Joseph, and we entitled that one, What's the Big Idea? And you realize that depending on your perspective, you can say that in two different ways. You can either say, hey, what's the big idea? And be mad at God. And be angry and be frustrated. God, what's up with this? Or you can say it this way. Hey, what's the big idea, Lord? You hear the difference? Believing that God is in it and that you're in his story and he's got something going on that you're a part of. Perspective, perspective, perspective. Talked last week then too about the fact that where the pressures come from is not directly from the Lord, but instead that the pressures, as he were to allow it, the pressure comes through Satan through sinners, through surroundings, and sometimes through our own selves. Our own foolish decisions, sinful decisions we might make. Last week we looked at Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, where it talked about that Satan is still the prince of this air, and that he influences people, that he influences systems to bring pain and grief and injustice and all that stuff. The main thing is, is to recognize that it comes from him, and that the enemy has one purpose in it, is to get you to quit. It's to get you to quit on the mission, Quit on God, quit on your faith, maybe even quit on life. That's the enemy's goal. And even as Paul said, he even despaired even of life. Sometimes that pressure can be so intense, you really feel challenged that way. So the first thing then that he says is, how did he learn to rely on God? What did it mean to rely on God? How do you get through these times? 
Well, the first thing is that he talked about power. Ephesians 3, 16 through 19, is a prayer most of you have heard or read at one point. And there's two things that Paul asked for in that prayer, power and love. It goes like this. He says, Father, he says, I pray that out of your glorious riches today, you would strengthen them, strengthen them with power by your spirit in their inner being where you, Jesus, dwell in their hearts by faith. And then he says, even though you're rooted and grounded in love, he says, I pray that you'd have the power, or again in the Greek, there's two, several words that, that have to do with power. One of them is dunamis, which we get the word dynamite from, but that's not the word here. This word that gets translated often power has more to do with the ability. So he prays for the power, the dunamis, that that would be deposited in our hearts by the Spirit. But then he says, I pray that you'd have the ability the power to do what? To grasp, to take hold of how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus and to know this love, he says, which by the way is beyond our knowing, transcends our understanding until you are filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Power and love. What was this power? What kind of power is it that he gave us? Out of Ephesians 1, verses 18 and following, remember? Paul said, it's an incomparably, incomparably great power. It's that power, he says, that incomparably great power that God worked when he exerted his power to raise Jesus from the dead and put him far above all rule, authority, and power, dominion in this age and the age to come. That's the power. Colossians 1.11, again in a prayer, he says, I pray, Father, that you would strengthen them, strengthen them, strengthen them with all power according to your glorious might so that they might have great endurance and patience. Endurance to keep on keeping on and patience to hang in there till it's over. Now, another verse that I didn't bring up last week but I had fun thinking about this week is in Philippians chapter 4. Many people know Philippians 4.13 where you'll hear them say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that's very true, and oftentimes it's just said as an isolated verse. But three verses earlier in verse 10, he says this, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. To be content means the ability to accept. The ability to accept, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. He says, I know what it's like to have plenty, I know what it's like to be in need. He says, but I've learned the secret to being content. No matter what my circumstances, he says. And again, he says, whether I'm well-fed or hungry, whether I have plenty or I am in want, that's when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But the thing that most don't catch is that, that I can do all things. The all things is referring back to that previous thing. He says, I can do all those things. I can have plenty, I can have want. I can be hungry, I can be well-fed. I can be in any circumstance. I can get through that. I can do it through Christ who strengthens me. That's how he stays content. And then the last verse we looked at was 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. Remember, and in this case, like Jesus in the garden where he prayed three times, Father, can we get out from under this great pressure? And the Father says, no. And so he says, nevertheless, your will be done. It says in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 and 8, 7, I think it is, where he says that he prayed three times that God would remove that thorn. And what happens is that eventually the Lord Jesus speaks to him and says, my grace is sufficient for you. 
And my power is made perfect in weakness. And again, that word in Greek, made perfect, means reaches full measure, full expression. And so then Paul says this most craziest thing. He says, because that's true, he says, therefore, he says, I'll boast all the more about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. In fact, he says, for Jesus' sake, in the most craziest word of all, I delight. I delight in weakness, hardship, insult, persecution, difficulties, because when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong in Jesus. So he prays for power today. He also then prays for love, that you know wide and long, high and deep is the love of Jesus. But I think specifically, the word that I feel like God put on my heart for this idea that he prays for love would be captured in a kind of a synonym of comfort. When you're going through something really difficult, love feels encouraging when it comes in the form of comfort. In Isaiah 66, 13, God says when, when Jerusalem was in real trouble, he promises her, meaning in, he promises the people, he says, as a mother comforts her child, so I, the Lord, will comfort you. There's not many references where God's likened to a mom, but us being made in his image, male and female, as a mother comforts her child, so I will comfort you. Second Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others with the comfort we have received. So he says that God comforts us as a mother, as a father. God comforts us in those same kinds of ways. The main thing then is how do we experience that comfort? If we're supposed to rely on God for power, rely on God for his love, rely on God for his comfort, how do we experience that comfort? How do we step into and draw on it? Well, the first thing is to be reminded that it's the Lord Jesus who really is in us, that he's really with us. The last words he said in Matthew 28, most of us know the first part when he says, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them, reminding them to obey. But his last words were, and I will be with you to the ends of the age. Now, how can Jesus be with us to the ends of the age when, as the physical Jesus, he was raised from the dead, ascended into heaven, is at the right hand of the Father? This is the most awesome mystery about our faith. It's because of the Spirit of God. Remember in Galatians, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. Galatians 2.20 he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. How can he live in me if he's living at the right hand of the Father? He says it this way in Romans 8, 9. He says, you, however, are not controlled by your sinful nature if the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you. See, this is the most amazing thing about the mystery of the Trinity is that unlike what the Jehovah's Witnesses would try to say that this, this power, this Holy Spirit is just a neutral, unliving force. The awesome truth about our faith is that that Spirit of God is none other than God himself, God the Father, God the Spirit, God Christ in us. It's Jesus in us. It's a mystery, but it's Jesus in us. 
Oh, how important that is. It's not just a force. It's a person. And how many of you ever been going through a difficult situation and somebody came to comfort you? If they haven't been through what you've been through, sometimes they just don't get it. You know what I mean? I mean, their hearts are good, their intention's good, but if they've not been what you've been through, you know, sometimes they want to say too much. <laughs> if you've been through certain things, you know it's like that you just get beside them and you're just there, right? You just sit there with them. You're with them. But it especially feels most comforting when somebody is with you who understands. And you know the cool thing is, is that Jesus understands. There's nobody you'd rather have with you, in you, than Jesus. Because the text says in Hebrews, chapter 2 and chapter 4, chapter 2.17, it says this. It says, for this reason he had to be made like his brothers in every way. That's cool, right? He had to be made like his brothers and sisters in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted or tested, he is able to help those who are being tempted or tested. He's not just with you, he's there to help you. And help in a way that only someone who gets it can do. Similar thought is picked up in chapter 4, verse 15, where he says, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize or empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. That's our Jesus. And then there's this amazing moment where Paul said, 2 Timothy 4, 16, he says, At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. It may not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and the Gentiles might hear it. Not only was Jesus present by his spirit, but it seems in this specific situation, I don't know how, but it seems that Paul's saying that the Lord stood by his side. Amazing. Amazing. But it's not the only way that we receive comfort directly by Jesus, directly by the Spirit, to help us rely on God. But sometimes, God will comfort us through one another, the body of Christ. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed and were blessed by today's podcast. For additional resources and to learn more about First Love Ministries, you can visit us on the web at firstloveministries.org. Again, thanks for listening, and God bless you.